This is a Woodside Church podcast. If uh, you're observant, you'll notice, well, didn't we finish worship a bit earlier than usual? Ah, um, and uh, don't we normally finish about now? Mm, yeah, we do normally finish about now. And then don't we then have announcements, which we've already had? Yes. Um, the reason is because today I have the privilege of uh, preaching, teaching uh, on the subject of when we gather to worship. And we're allowing the timing to be such, including the timing of uh, what I share, uh, so that we can then go back into worship. So we're gonna, the band are going to be back after I finished, and we're going to go back into some hopefully precious worship uh, before God. And we're doing this both in the uh, West and in the East. Uh, Martin uh, and uh, Rach Clements, who heads up our worship team across the whole church, are sharing the same message, or you know, in their own style, but near enough the same thing uh, in the East. And uh, so we're doing two parts, uh, uh, two weeks actually, uh, this week. And then next week, for those of you who decide to come along to one of the East site services at 9 o'clock or 11 o'clock, don't forget maps are over in the welcome area if you've never been over before, uh, need to know directions. Um, I'm going to be sharing, you know, we don't have a West site, so the guy said, Tim, could you just preach on the, in the East? <laughs> uh, and I'm going to be sharing on when we gather to share communion. And we're going to do a similar thing next week over there and share communion together. Uh, so that's, if anybody wants to be over for that, uh, then uh, that's, uh, you'll be most welcome. Now, I don't know about your family or you, uh, what happens when you get in the car leaving here or get back home, uh, whether any time the conversation ever goes something like, um, worship was good this morning, wasn't it? Or, well, worship wasn't as good as usual. Or, oh, great song choice, or mm, I'm not sure if I like the song choice as much as last week. Um, or, I like it, I really like it when so-and-so leads. Um, or, other comments uh, to do with our, our worship. Well, let me give you my opinion right now about our worship in the West. Generally, I would say things are getting better and better. Uh, I don't know if you agree, those of you who are around, but I, I just feel that something's lifting. Uh, we're getting to places that we hadn't got to before in terms of uh, with God, um, and, I, and very encouraging. And so I, I'm really pleased that I'm preaching into something which is happening more and more. It's not like preaching to wake up the dead, but actually to keep steering us as we're alive in God and seeking just to press into him more and more as we gather on Sunday mornings. And you could ask, well, how do we assess something so dynamic as worship? In many ways, we're not meant to. We're just meant to enjoy it. But there are some psalms, and we're gonna, uh, I'm going to speak today from Psalm 95, um, which is a wonderful plumb line to corporate worship. Now, if anybody's familiar with the plumb line, maybe you're familiar with building. I've got one here. Uh, it's got a long string, uh, which plumb lines often have. But you know what a plumb line is for? Builders use this when they're building walls. 
because if you put a, a, one of these, a plumb line against a wall when a builder is building it, uh, then they can make sure it's going up vertically and going up straight rather than at a slight angle, which would not be very good. Um, decorators use uh, plumb lines sometimes when they're putting wallpaper on a wall just to make sure it really is as vertical as it looks just by the eye, but a plumb line will give the vertical line, uh, gravity pulls the weight at the bottom, and you can just say, yep, that's true. And we're using Psalm 95 today, a bit like a plumb line, to see, okay, so how are we doing? It actually includes uh, Psalm 95, some very helpful expressions of worship. In fact, Tim Keller um, said this of Psalm 95. He said that this psalm gives us almost a liturgy for a service of gathered worship. It's one of the psalms that gives us more than uh, anything else the different elements that can be included when the people of God worship together. Now, it's not a formula. But it is really helpful sometimes to look at those different expressions of worship, as we'll see in Psalm 95. But it's best viewed not by analysing or looking at just one Sunday gathering to worship, but rather over a series of weeks, are we including, are we experiencing these different uh, forms and expressions of worship? A bit like when you'd look at your diet. Now, uh, with apologies to dietitians amongst us, um, the, you know, if you look at your diet, you may not just think about one meal, but you need to think about your whole diet in terms of the balance of proteins and of fats and of um, uh, carbohydrates and sugars and fruit and fiber and all those other things uh, that keep us uh, healthy. So we could ask questions like this as we're looking at this. Are we getting to places of joy in our worship? Are we getting to places of intimacy? What about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and their use within our worship? What are we even aiming for? And we'd like to use Psalm 95 to encourage us in our corporate worship. And when looking at these different expressions of worship, let's be asking questions like, are we strong or more comfortable in the West site when we worship in this or that? Can we say we regularly get to that particular place? Or where are we maybe less strong? What expressions of worship do we rarely get to? How does our song choice help us? Do we pray for our worship team as they consider which songs to use or which new songs to introduce? And what part do I play? as we gather to worship. So as I said, Psalm 95 has some clear expressions of worship included. And there are six in all main uh, expressions of worship that we're just going to look at. And the first one is the invitation or the call to worship. And the first two verses of Psalm 95 read like this. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. Now remember that the whole book of Psalms is a book of songs that were sung by the people of God and still sung today. And in this song as it begins, you have the person who is like the worship leader um, saying to the people, come, let us sing for joy uh, to the Lord. It's an invitation uh, that comes. The worship leader is calling us uh, to worship God. 
Now, can I gently just uh, give an encouragement uh, to all of us? And in fact, in the last three weeks, this has actually got better too. So I'm encouraging with a, a growing trend of betterness in terms of being here for that call of worship. Um, and it really makes a difference uh, when we're actually here, when the worship leader who often has considered and prayed through and, and thought about how they will invite us to worship, call us to worship, how they will set the theme, set the pace for where they feel God is leading us on that particular morning. Um, and that always begins at 10 o'clock. And uh, so, I'll sort of clap then. <laughs> and it's not a rebuke, it's an encouragement for us. And I know sometimes things just happen that we don't plan for. And please never allow lateness uh, to be a reason not to come. It's better late than not being here at all. But do you know what? It really makes a difference. When the majority of us are already here experiencing that call to worship and that sense of being ready in the presence of God. You know, otherwise you can be like a family that, you know, get here five minutes before the kids go and then you take the kids and register and then you come back again and then you've only got 10 minutes left or 15 minutes left and it almost becomes then the warm-up to everything else, the preach and the announcements and the fellowship afterwards, rather than what God has in his heart, which is that it really is the pinnacle of our gathering as we come together to glorify him. Was that gentle enough? Okay, but that's that's just a a message there, just to encourage us and to stir us in that, because there is a call. But it's not just the worship leader. It says, come, let us. In other words, we're singing and encouraging one another. Let us all be engaged in worship. Let us focus on God, our King of Kings. Let us all be involved in this calling and encouraging one another. Let's put aside other distractions. As Hudson said this morning when he called us to worship, and let's worship him. The second element that we have within Psalm 95 is celebration. And that comes in, in verse 1, which I've read already, which says, Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. And celebration includes joy, noise, excitement. In fact, the Psalms are full of ways that we can use our bodies to worship. Lift up our hands, dance, shout, clap our hands. One of the Psalms says, clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. And this may well be an area for us to stir ourselves in. And we need more engaging and expressions of joy as we come to worship him. And as we do that, of course, it's genuine joy that comes from our hearts, not an outward just trying to whip up the atmosphere. That would never be pleasing to God. But out of the inmost beings, we're joyful, are we not, about what Jesus has done for us and about who he is. And the Psalms encourages us to express that joy with all of our hearts, with all of our beings, and with all of our bodies. In fact, when you think of... People think nothing of a sporting event where people get excited. People think nothing of a tragic play or film that causes people to be sad and to cry. If a comedy is being watched, it wouldn't be a comedy unless people laughed. 
How much more when the people of God gather to worship him should there be a sense of emotion when we're declaring the glory of God, the glories of the cross and the resurrection, thanking him for our salvation, for our forgiveness, for his kingdom and for everything else that he has done and for who he is and what he's yet to do. Is that not something that fills us with emotion more than a sporting event, a film or a movie or a play or a comedy or anything else? Let's give him the glory with all of our being. And then the third element is thanksgiving. Let us come before him, verse 2, with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. And first and foremost, our thanksgiving is focused on the cross and all that Jesus has done for us. Without the cross and the resurrection of Christ, then none of this would have any meaning at all. But because of the transformative power of what he has done for us, we have so much to thank him for. But beyond just the cross, there is so much to thank God for. Psalm 103 verse 2 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits and his many, many blessings. And so we come with a sense of thanksgiving to God for all that he has done. And I, I just want to encourage more. And in fact, just this last three weeks, each time we've had testimonies, which is really good. And those stories are stories of what God has done. They're stories of thanksgiving. Uh, Kathy, just a couple of weeks ago, about her job becoming permanent. Andrea, last week, about a healing of a relative. Um, and then uh, uh, Sarah this week, just sharing about how she's thankful to God uh, for her son uh, and for what he has done. Uh, and uh, it's just uh, uh, thanksgiving. These are good things to do uh, and to be able to do, giving thanks to God. In fact, it's scriptural to come to the gathered people, come into the local church setting where we worship God in order to give thanksgiving. Not just giving thanks as individuals, but then coming together and giving thanks to him. And of course, it's not just testimony, but it's songs and it's words of, of thanksgiving and, and prayer to him. Lord, you have been so good to me. I love it when Joyce comes up and before she gives her announcements, you know, and just says, God is good. And the answer is, all the time, all the time. God is good. We have so much, do we not, to give thanks uh, to God for. The fourth element in Psalm 95, we find in verses 3, 4, and 5. And it's declaration and proclamation. It goes on with this. For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Declaring truth is important. Most of us, if we're honest, get our theology from the songs that we sing. And people need to focus on the truth of God's word. Truth sets them free. Focusing on the truth of who God is, what he's done, who we are in Christ, the purposes of God, the purposes of his kingdom, the glories of Christ are so important. I would say probably we're 
strongest on this. Uh, And many of the songs we do do this, but lots of songs that declare truth are really important and precious as we come before God in worship. So declaration and proclamation. But then the psalm takes us to another element of worship, which is also so important and God loves so much. And that is adoration. Verses 6 and 7. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. For he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture. The flock under his care. This is very intimate. It's very close to God. And songs where words, using the words I and you, like Lord I love you and Lord I worship you, of which we had a lot in the first part of this worship today, are really important and are such an important element of how we come to worship. And God's word encourages this again and again. In Psalm 42, 1, uh, it says, As the deer longs for streams of water, so my soul longs for you, O God. What intimacy there is. We're singing and saying, Lord, I long for you. I worship you. I love you. Those sorts of feelings are good. Psalm 18, verse 1, I love you, O Lord, my strength. And it's not just in the Psalms, but it's in other places too. Like the end of the Gospel of John where Jesus has risen from the dead and he's reinstating Peter who's denied him three times and now he's asking Peter a question on the shore of Galilee and he's saying, Peter, do you love me? And Peter three times responds and says, Lord, you know that I love you. When's the last time that the Lord heard you say something like that to him from the depths of your heart? And that is what God loves also when we come to worship him. Out of the depths of our hearts, able to say, Lord, we love you. I love you. And I lift my voice to sing my praise. I worship you. I adore you. And do you know what? Getting in the habit of doing that does us good. The Song of Songs is another book full of this. The intimacy of relationship with God. There are two aspects to that song uh, of songs, uh, that book in the Bible. Uh, Partly is to do with the bride and the bridegroom and human married love. But also theologians would say that there's an image here of Christ and his church. And then you get those wonderful verses like, I am my beloved's and he is mine. And that whole sense of adoration, intimacy with God, is something that God loves as we also include these things as elements in our worship. When we move to intimacy, we draw close to God. James 4.8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. It gives us time for reflection. God is a good God who cares for us. And also opportunities for fresh 
submission to him. And then the sixth element is revelation. God speaking. God is speaking. Because the, the verse 7 finishes by saying, Today, if only you would hear his voice. Do not harden your hearts as you did in, at Meribah or as you did that day at Massa in the wilderness where your ancestors tested and tried me, though they had seen what I did. And then it goes on with a few more verses about reminding the people of Israel how they didn't listen to the voice of God. But that's all part of this song uh, that they would sing uh, when they gathered to worship as a, as a reminder. You see, God is a speaking God. And when we gather to worship, we're speaking to him. But we must never be surprised that he also wants to speak to us. What is God saying? What is God doing? I was thrilled last week when Candy, not knowing what I was going to be sharing, as one of the four things she shared when she talked about in the God First series, first priority. And the last point she made was the priority of being stirred in the prophetic and bringing prophecy. And I'm doing exactly the same at this point in the message because this psalm says, if only you would hear his voice. And one of the main means by which, as well as the taught word that we hear the voice of God, is through the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the prophetic as we gather to worship. 1 Corinthians 14.1 puts it this way, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit especially prophecy. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. God knows who's in the room when we gather. He knows all of our circumstances. He even knows our inmost thoughts. He knows every one of our life situations better than we even know them ourselves. He knows the griefs as well as the joys that there are in the room. He knows the painful home situations, the challenges at work, the doubts, the fears, the unanswered or seemingly unanswered prayer that you may be grappling with, the health challenges, and every other circumstance that you face. He knows his calling on each of our lives. The calling for us to be bold as we serve him and witness to him. To be lights in a dark world. To be full of compassion and to proclaim the gospel. To know him better. To love his presence. And when we gather to worship he wants to strengthen, encourage, and comfort us. He's got things to say that will build us up and cause us to go out of this door different to the way that we came in. And it can all happen as we worship God together. And so we want to encourage more. Bring the prophetic. Be open to bringing a scripture that seems to fit in with the way that we're going. Bring a word of encouragement. Lead us in prayer. 
It was really encouraging two weeks ago when we had three contributions quite near the beginning of the worship, actually. There was Kathy brought a testimony, Andrea brought an exhortation, Lisa brought a scripture that all complemented each other, but none of them had colluded with each other. And yet it was very clear God was speaking. And they all laid a platform for what Richard Clements then came and preached. Think, wow, thank you, Lord. And then at the very end of that, Iggy came and brought something from Ecclesiastes about there's a time for everything and about our trust for God in the midst of that. And you think, wow, God is here and he is with us. And that's exactly what the prophetic does. It causes us to say, God is here. God's with us. He's speaking. Today, if you would hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. But God is seeking to use each of us instrumentally uh, in order uh, to bring contributions uh, to see the church built and encouraged. So each of you have a con- has a contribution. Now we can't all bring one in any one week. That would be impossible. We wouldn't have time to do that. We'd be here right through to the afternoon. Uh, and, uh, but over a period of, a, of time, the encouragement for each of us to have something to bring uh, is there in the scripture. Uh, and uh, let's be open uh, to that very possibility. And then um, uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 6, uh, 26. What then should we say, brothers and sisters, when you come together? Each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. You see, we don't want to just follow the song list. We want to be sensitive each time we worship to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And that's all a part of it as each of us plays our part. So the whole of Psalm 95, and if the band can start coming back because we're going to go back into worship now. If the whole of Psalm 95 was written as a song for the people of God to sing together, it's a corporate song. And it reminds us, uh, for us in New Testament terms, that we're not going to church like you go to the cinema or theater or some other occasion. But we are the church, and we're going in order to worship God and to build one another up. We're coming to, uh, we're coming to receive an invitation again to worship him with all of our hearts. We're coming to celebrate his love and his goodness, his greatness with great joy. We're coming with thanksgiving. We're coming to make declarations and proclamations of truth as to who he is and what he declares in his word. We're coming to adore him again together. And we're coming to receive fresh revelation, always based, of course, on what he's already revealed in his written word, but prophetically brought, that brings us strength, encouragement, and comfort, and keeps us strong in the purposes of God. So why don't we stand and worship him again? You've been listening to a Woodside Church podcast. For more information, visit woodsidechurch.com.